Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Hello. Shalom. Shalom. You know, I'll tell you what, I'm so thankful to be here. We're here yet again for another uh, study in the book of Matthew. Um, welcome, everybody. If, you have, uh, if you're dropping by for the very first time, I just want you to know Christians with Torah, we're exactly what we sound like. We're Christians. We believe in Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ, right? The Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We believe in the foundational Christian doctrines, but with a twist. And our twist is that we believe that the whole Bible from Genesis to maps is relevant to believers today. That's right. Praise God. And that includes an emphasis that we put on the Torah, right? The teachings and instructions of God that he has given in his grace to his children. Why? Because good fathers instruct their children. Period. End of story. Right? Our father's not lawless. Right? Our king is not lawless. Our father has good instructions for his children. And it behooves us to take that up and run with it. Amen? That's good. I love it. So for the last four years, we've been doing podcasts on the Torah portion. So we took a, a portion of the, the, the first five books of the Bible yes. every week. And for the year, we would do the whole five books. And so if you're interested in a Torah portion, you can go back and listen to any of those episodes. There's four episodes on every Torah portion that you can listen to. And then this season, season five, We've been doing the book of Matthew, and we're all the way up to chapter 25. We're finishing up the Olivet Discourse uh, today with the sheep and goats. All right. I guess I'm going to read first. Yeah, let's do it. Just three verses. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 33. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Before him shall be gathered all nations. He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. This is where we get the term um, sheep and goats. Sheep and goats, but also that are you a goat nation or, or a sheep nation? Like yep. when it comes to Israel. Right. So how many nations, like... like Iran would be a goat nation. They're against Israel. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a sheep nation. Right. So I'll let you take it from It's interesting. I've had sheep and goats. I've had sheep separately and goats, you know. And uh, sheep and goats are different. Right? As much as they look the same, and if you put them all together in a herd, it'd be kind of... That's know. a good point, the contrast. Oh, yeah. It's funny because Tom was like over there, and where I sit, I could hear him. Okay. And he was like, what's the difference between sheep and goats? And Josiah says, well, uh, goats have hair and sheep have wool right but there's hair sheep there's sheep that have hair interesting yeah it's not just wool sheep um of course the horn well and again different breeds of sheep and different breeds of goats either have horns or don't doesn't they have like a breed called jacobs 
or something. Ah, uh, yeah, those are the ones with like the multiple things and the black and white speckles on. Jacob Sheep. Yeah, um, multiple horns, I should say. But uh, in my experience, sheep are dumb, <laughs> but sheep will just graze a field, right? Whereas goats are escape artists, right? Um, if there's something interesting to them on the other side of that fence, like a clover leaf or something, oh, they're going to get it. That's interesting. They're going to find out a way. Um, and goats are a little more clever, a little, little smarter. A little cunning. A little, exactly right. As is that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, where sheep will forage like a whole field, right, and mow the grass down, the goats uh, are more foragers, I should say. I'm sorry. Where goats will graze, or sorry, where sheep will graze a field, the goats will will uh, forage. They'll, they want to go into the woods and they want to eat everything green, all different kinds of stuff. Do they eat twigs? Uh, not really. I mean, they'll eat sticks. Yeah, they'll, uh, kinda. I mean, there's this misnomer that goats will eat anything, even a tin can, and they may try to eat, right? Um, and they'll eat the paper off the tin can, maybe. But uh, I see what you're saying. But they they can get themselves in trouble because they will. They'll go explore and eat all kinds of stuff. Pig, and then, pigs will eat anything. Right? Oh man, pigs will eat anything. Pigs will root up stuff. I mean, if you chickens want to eat anything, right? Chickens will eat. Yeah, yeah, chickens will eat. You know, whatever. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's hard to find stuff that they won't eat. That I would say. Interesting, but it, there's plenty of things that they'll eat that aren't good for them that you want them to avoid. Right. So, which is what the Lord does, right? All right? Like we'll do all kinds of stuff that is bad for us, but the Lord is trying to protect us from. It. Amen. Good point. So, um, some of the biblical uh, references here to Yeshua. On his throne. Because what does it say? He says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Interesting, right? I got uh, the, the references here. Hebrews 8 1. Let's hear it. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the Son. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. That's right. And then, of course, we have 12 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And two. Go ahead and do two as well. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, or, or, yeah, finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Yeah. Interesting. Mm hmm sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, we know in, in Daniel it says that the son, one like the Son of Man approaching the throne. Right. That's not really him sitting on the throne. He's, he's, going, to be get, he's going to be getting a kingdom. So. Yeah. Cool. You know, and, and also uh, it talks about how, like I've heard it taught about Stephen, when Stephen was stoned, right? That he sees the throne, but what does he see? He sees Yeshua standing. Yeah, he stood so up. So all these other ones he's seated, right? Right. But the Lord and that stood goes back for, to this whole cloud Stephen. of witnesses too that are right. watching. The that's right. That's right. There's something going on. It's crazy to a think a portal that there is a cloud of witnesses uh, witnessing your life. You know, cheering you on. You know, morning. It's a live, it's live stream. When you screw up, it's, you a, know, live it's a live stream. <laughs> it's like the Truman Show. I know. So what about Revelation uh, three twenty one? Uh, says to whom, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me. On my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So it's interesting that he sits with the father on his throne. Right. A lot of con lot of confusion here. How all that works. The deity. What about of Revelation twenty two three. That's where I'm going. I'm going there. 
Uh, it says here, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servant shall serve him. And this is talking about in the New Jerusalem, I believe. The river of life that flows through it and all that good stuff. And so, um, verses 32 and 33, and before him shall be gathered all nations. So we have all nations gathered now before the Lord, okay? In this uh, example. So the Lord's coming, he separates the nations. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. So the right hand is always a good connotation, right? Would you say that? I mean, my right hand man. This guy's my right hand man, right? He's the my right, he's hand, my right God, hand. With an with an outstretched arm. Right. He saved them. Correct. So the right arm is Jesus. With his mighty right hand. Yeah. But meaning, any time in the Bible that you hear the right hand mentioned, it's it's a good connotation. Right? I think meaning so. It's yeah. good. All right. Well, the left hand is not always bad, but can be Southpaw. a negative. So let me give you an example. Salome, the, the wife of Zebedee, the mother of James and John, the disciples, comes to Yeshua and says, I'm bringing my sons. I want them to sit one on your right hand and one on your left hand. So you got like the number one and the number two guys That's interesting. with Yeshua. I never thought about that. Okay. That, so I just want to show this because we're separating them. The right hand is obviously the good hand. The left isn't necessarily bad, but in this group, it's the goats, which makes it bad. Right. Right? So Yeshua used the sheep and goats to picture the division between believers and unbelievers. Sheep and goats often graze together, but would be separated when the time came to shear the sheep. That's interesting. And they'd be separated for, you know, other reasons, but... Um, <clears throat> You, we have here in the notes, believers and unbelievers, right? Yeah. I would, I would contend with this. I would say that when we look at what we've been reading for the past few weeks, that we have wise and foolish virgins. This is true, okay? too. Okay? Yeah. We have uh, productive and unproductive, or, or, or what is it, uh, faithful and evil servants, right? So we have these, these distinctions that we're making, with, even with the parable of the talents, those that are productive and those that are unproductive, and then obviously the wise. Maybe the context would be the believers are the ones who know what to do and need to do. And do it. And do it. Mm. So I'm just saying that, you know, as I, as I pull out some of this uh, outline, this commentary, uh, I can see the side of that. Sure. But then again, you know, uh, heathens will take care of somebody. They'll help somebody. Correct. They can. Correct. But I think the context is like, well, if you're a real believer, you're going to do these things. Sure. Versus the unbeliever, this is the kingdom of God. Right. And, and we're talking about nations, tribes, ethnic groups here. That's true. Right? We're yeah, separating we them out, and we're going to we're going to give you what Yeshua uses as the distinction here in a minute. But at first, we need to just look at, at the context of what we're looking at here uh, before we get going. So. Uh, you're going to read Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 17 through 24. Yeah, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, here's Ezekiel. He's the correspondent to those that are in captivity in Babylon. It says, And as for you, O my flock, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I judge between cattle and cattle, between the rams and the he-goats. Now this, in the Hebrew, this word cattle and cattle, you think of cow, steers or bulls, right? But it's actually uh, cattle of lambs and kids. Right. Uh, seemeth it a small thing unto you to have eaten up the good pasture? But you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pastures, and to have drunk of the deep waters, but you must foul the residue with your feet. And as for my flock, they eat that which ye have trodden with your feet, and they drink that which you have fouled with your feet. 
Therefore, thus saith the Lord God unto them, Behold, I even I will judge between the fat cattle and between the lean cattle, because you have thrust with side and with shoulder and pushed all the diseased with your horns, till you have scattered them abroad. Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey, and I will judge between cattle and cattle, and I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. Right. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Yeah. Um, That's very interesting. Yeah, in, in the New King James, it doesn't use cattle and cattle. It uses between sheep and sheep. Yeah, that's what I figured it. And the ESV is the same way, English Standard Version. Right. Uh, because we separate out the goats, but then we don't hear about the goats again. But when he says, I will judge between the sheep and the sheep, he says, I will establish one shepherd. One shepherd over and that, them. And that goes right into the parable. Exactly right. So now here's Yeshua saying, the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him and sit on his throne and he'll separate them out. Now that he separates them, then he goes to the sheep and he... He judges them based on Ezekiel's prophecy, right? right? He judges between them. Um, in the last day's harvest, the tares will be separated from the wheat. We don't have to read that. We don't, but it's it's another distinction, right? Wise and foolish virgins, wheat and right. tares. Yeshua, contrast. Here's what's interesting, Separation. too. Last couple of weeks, we've been reading all these parables, right? And all of them start the same way, right? Let, let's look at it. It says here, uh, um, sorry, in, verse, in chapter 25, uh, then the kingdom of God shall be likened unto ten virgins, right? And then it, it goes on. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling from a far country. Right. But then this one, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, right? So this is a prophecy of a future event right. versus a parable describing the nature of the kingdom. Right. In this case, he's saying, this is something I'm going to do, right? When it's I pretty, come. pretty serious. It is. And there's a lot of people in the world. There's a lot of nations. Was it 8 billion now? Oh, yeah. At least yeah. 8 billion plus. That's right. Um, all right, so I'm going to read Good. chapter 25, verses 34 and 30, or through 36. So it says here, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. So this is all about, the title is like, Inherit the Kingdom. Just a little bit of reading Oh, here. yeah. Separating the sheep from the goats, and then inherit the kingdom. The word inherit is the Greek word, kleranomeo, and it comes from G2818. Uh, it means to be an heir, or to literally or figuratively, you know, to be an heir. Literally or figuratively, to be an heir, uh, to obtain by inheritance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, that right there is very interesting because how did they become an heir? Well, it says, for I was a hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came into me. So I would call this meeting the needs of the people. Yeah. So there's a situation, you know, we have uh, deliveries to the church. And so as the uh, UPS guy comes or FedEx would come, you know, or Amazon, they would come to the door. And I would say to them, 
hey, would you like to use our restroom or would you like a bottle of water? You know, because we can we can do that. You know? Yeah. And I like to mess with those that uh, work for UPS uh-huh. and uh, FedEx. You know, it's interesting. You know, I uh, I can only tell the joke one time. You know, but yeah. I said, hey, you know. Uh, the UPS guy shows up, you know, I said, Hey, you know, I hear that UPS and FedEx are going to be merging. He goes, I didn't hear that. I said, yeah, yeah. They're going to be merging UPS and, and, and FedEx. And it's going to be called fed up. <laughs> so then the FedEx guy comes and I'm not real good at jokes. But some of them I can remember. Sure. Fed up. They go, yeah. that was good. Yeah. Um, you know, I know people that, um, have little baggies. To give out to the homeless people, like a toothbrush, a toothpaste. That's cool. Socks. So I mean, like little kits. Yeah. Uh, and so when you're out and about, you can actually give them something. Sure. You know? And that's really the, uh, I guess the, the, the controversy is if I give them money, what are they going to do with it? You yeah. Know? But most of the homeless ministries will tell you, don't give them money. Like the ones that actually care for them. Yeah, and if you think about it, this is meeting the basic needs of a person. Right. These are just basic needs that anybody can do. It. Yeah. Well, like when they say give them food, things like that. I mean, that you can do things. But are we going to move on? I think so. Okay, I'm going to read verses 37 through 40 in chapter 25, meeting the needs. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee, a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee, sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Wow. This is interesting. So this parable describes acts of mercy we can all do every day. <laughs> I know. These acts don't depend on wealth, ability, or intelligence. They are simple acts freely given and freely received. We have no excuse to neglect those who have deep needs, and we should not think that these responsibilities belong only to churches or the government. Yeshua demands our personal involvement in caring for others' needs. I will say... Yeshua is specifically casting judgment on nations here with sheep and goats, saying that those that did not do these things, he's talking about them as a nation. And that there's going to separate out the nations that did these things and the nations wow. that did not. Well, then America's in a good place right now. I think. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I think so. We America's okay. America's okay. Israel gives aid to other nations. They do. Oh, yeah. Israel's, Israel's on the ball. And there's a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you read Isaiah 58.7 there for us? It says, uh, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? You know, think about it, Ryan. We are in the land of the living. He's the God of the living, not of the dead. Yeah. He is the God of the... So think about it. We're all, we're all human beings on this earth and we're all in this together. We're alive and we're together on this earth. Think about all that we have in common in that regard. I mean, that's amazing. It is. We're among the living. We're among people. You know, this verse that you just read is uh, in the context of fasting in Isaiah. So it's a, a, a whole chapter about fasting. I actually want to read a little section from it because it's, it's pretty good. Um, 
he says in verse 6, Is this not the fast I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked and you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, the, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking wickedness. Wow. If you extend your soul to the hungry, and then he goes on, and then goes on. and it, it's, it's good stuff. And so Yeshua is obviously making reference to this in, these, in, um, in what he's talking about. So it's interesting to note that Yeshua mentions that we should visit those in prison, and there are many prison ministries around the world. In the Torah, there is no mention of a prison system from the Lord. We can find capital punishment, restitution, and even six cities of refuge, but no mention of a prison system. The prison system is a man-made institution used today when dealing with crime. That was my own little personality. What do you think about that? I think it's fantastic. Isn't that? I mean, I always thought about that. Isn't that's interesting? I would like to mention this. That is interesting. That for criminal punishment, there is slavery, which I think makes a lot more sense than a prison. Because why am I going to stick somebody in a holding cell and feed them three times a day and give them like recess time and books to read? You know what I'm saying? I'm saying that it makes more sense that somebody gets put to work if they're a criminal, right? I mean, like, let's put something productive. Have them them do something that benefits the community. Whatever. Clean the highway. Think about it. The community has to pay for this person now. Who's in prison? That's that the whole prison system. Yeah, doesn't make any sense, yeah. right? If somebody is, and, and again, then it, it also there's there's that would add a third punishment, right? Capital punishment, indentured servitude, and then uh, excommunication, right? Kicked out of the camp. Why would we let somebody stay in prison in our midst? You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't make any sense. Because then we have to pay for them. If we don't want them around, just kick them out. I know. Say, go fend for yourself. It's interesting. The problem we have in modern times is that, well, where do you send them? You know, to another nation? You know, to the next city over so they can go be a criminal over there? Yeah. It's, it's not, I'm not saying I have all the answers and that I'm Mr. Prison Reform. No, we know that. A lot of the early Christians went to prison. Well, because the Romans had a prison system. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it, there was for sure prisons. But it's not, I don't think, in a small community where like your resources are limited. Let's say we have a thousand people and make our own little town, our own little country. Why the prison? You know what I mean? Maybe a jail cell to let somebody cool off for a while. It's just something to think about. I know when I started getting into the Torah, I realized there was no prison system. Right. Well, and then, and even then, you know, it's funny we're talking about um, the prison system here in the U.S. has been so abused, right? It's privatized. There's some problems with the prison system, and there needs to be some reform in our judicial system. But even the 13th Amendment, people think it outlaws slavery, but it doesn't outlaw slavery. It outlaws slavery on the basis of like race, you know, creed, religion, that kind of thing, except for when used as a criminal punishment, which is why the South abused the prison system and uh, African-Americans for decades right. after the Civil War 
because everybody was a criminal now because then we can just put them on the chain gang and make them go build our railroad because they stole something or whatever right. supposedly you know what I mean that's good yeah that was a problem so uh, who's reading next can't remember did I read it did you it's read? your turn okay I will read this is all about judgment now we're getting the nitty gritty here <laughs> chapter 25 uh, verses 41 through 46 yeah we have the sheep and the goats so what if you don't meet the needs we've separated them out on the right hand is the good ones, right? The ones that did all these good things. They're going to inherit the kingdom, which I don't even, what does it even mean? Do I get my own kingdom? Because if I inherit the kingdom, like, what, what does this mean? Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, We're going to just have to find out, you know? We'll see. I better get on. Um, so now we talk about those on the left hand. So it says here, uh, starting in verse 41, and we're going to go to the end of the chapter. It says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, and a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, and as much as ye did not to one of the least of these, ye did not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Man, that's tough. Some tough stuff. So you didn't meet the needs of the people. That's right. Everlasting punishment takes place in hell, the lake of fire, Gehenna, the place of punishment after death for all those who refuse to repent. In the original languages of the Bible, three words are used in connection with eternal punishment. First one is, of course, Sheol, or the grave, is used in the Hebrew Old Testament to refer to the place of the dead, generally thought of as under the earth. Uh, in Hebrew, this word occurs in Job 24, 19, Psalm 16, 10, and Isaiah 38, 10, those references of Sheol. Uh, now, that's uh, in the Hebrew. Now, Hades is the Greek word for the underworld, the god of Hades, the realm of the dead, is the word used in the New Testament for Sheol. In Greek, this word occurs in Matthew 16, 18, Revelation 1, 18, and Revelation 20, verses 13 and 14, Hades. You know, in the Greek, I think it's Tartarus, or something like that. It's a very interesting Greek mythology. The underworld is creepy, isn't it? It is creepy. Number three, Gehenna, or hell, was named after the valley of the son of Hinnom, near Jerusalem, where children were sacrificed by fire to the pagan gods. 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 10, 2 Chronicles 28, 3, the reference to Gehenna. Uh, of course, uh, as, as the valley of the son of Hinnom, where children were sacrificed. This is the place of eternal fire, Matthew 5, 22, Matthew 10, 28, Mark 9, 43, Luke 12, 5, James 3, 6, Revelation 19, 20, prepared for the devil. So this is the place of eternal fire, Prepared for the devil, his angels, and all those who do not believe in God. So think about it. Hell was created for the fallen angels, for Satan, the watchers, all these all these evil spirits. But man chooses to go to hell. That's right. You know, I've actually been to the Valley of Hinnom. There is like a uh, like an Israeli state park that's being built there and a tourist attraction, oddly enough. Um, it gets its name because this is a place uh, in the valley there where they would burn the trash. And once the Roman occupation came, they would burn the dead bodies. 
um, because it's not a practice that the Jewish people have. They don't burn. Yeah, because bodies. they were supposed to burn Yeshua's body for blasphemy. They could have. Right. For blasphemy. Correct. But he was to be crucified. Well, crucified, and then also then uh, Joseph of Arimathea, if he hadn't right. come and got him, he would have been burned. In, That's interesting. Probably in the Valley of Hinnom. Wow. So. I've been there. We did a beautification project there, worked on uh, getting some weeds. Um, I'll tell you what, there's some weeds in Israel that have these thorns. They're like literally Satan's weeds. So I want to add one more to our list of, uh, of underworlds. You ready? Really? What is it? It's uh, Abraham's bosom. And this reference can be found in Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. And Yeshua tells a whole story here. And it's very interesting. And if like... I don't know. We, we preach. I, th I think today in the church, we're kind of against this style of preaching. But Yeshua does it. And I'm going to give you the example right now. Fire and brimstone. Fire and brimstone. So here's what it says. It says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. So he was feasting every day. Had a good life. He is balling in today's terms. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. So this is our reference to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades... He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Right? Interesting. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. So it's clear that Hades is on fire. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Interesting, right? A little landscape action. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Wow. Hmm. I mean, talk about a stark warning. You know... And they're saying that it's literal. Oh, yeah. This is a literal place in the story. Right. Yeah, it's not a single type of shadow. Correct. Well, wow. in, in, in Yeshua... Rocking my soul in the bosom of Abraham. <laughs> oh, rocking my soul. I find it interesting because, you know, I've seen, you know, testimonies of people that say they've died, you know, temporarily and gone to heaven or even to hell. And that they've seen what the afterlife looks like and they come back to give an account, right? Uh, not for nothing. I think most people, including myself, are suspicious of these testimonies, Right? 
you just take it at their word like oh okay i just believe you you know um i think it would um anyway you get the idea right i mean it's it's um that's good i'm gonna have to add abraham's bosom to my outline yeah well it's i think it is good uh and there's a lot there too i mean so you like, got to interject that on your own thought process i did i did I like that. It's something triggered. That's what the outlines do. They trigger things. Hey, what about this? What about that? Well, you you know what it is? is you listed out Sheol, Hades, and Gehenna. And I was like, well, which one of these is Abraham's bosom? And then based on my conversation with you and studying it last night, Sheol, uh, Sheol could be, right? I think in the Hebrew context, I'd have to go back and look more how Sheol is used in the Old Testament. Hades is definitely bad. Hades is used right here in this passage. I see what Yeshua you're saying. Says because it. remember, after the resurrection, people came out of the grave. Correct. So that could have been hell. Well, but here's my question. Is it a holding? I mean, then this is my question. There's a lot here because I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Because I don't know. there's like three schools of thought. Okay, there's the one who's like absent from the body is be present with the Lord. You die, you're immediately in heaven with the Lord. Okay. Number two is you just sleep. You don't know what's going on, and it's just like sleeping with yeah. no dreaming. And then boom, when the resurrection happens, it's like thousands of years may have gone by, but you don't know it. Right. Okay. And then option number three is like a purgatory style. Right. You're in Sheol. You know that you're in the, the belly of the earth or whatever. Or in Hades. But but then you go to things like Daniel chapter 12 where it says that everyone gets resurrected. Some to everlasting, you know, what does it say? Here, I'll tell you real quick. As Daniel chapter 12 is um, is pretty definitive. You know, I mean, it's. It, it, yeah, some will awaken to this, and some will awaken to that. Correct. Oh, man, that reminds me of one of them. Remind me, Audrey, to say something about what Audrey said. Um, anyways, it says here, At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. So that sounds a lot like what Yeshua has been saying all through chapter 24 and 25, right? We have a great tribulation coming. He says, Even to that time, and at that time, uh, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. So who's delivered from the tribulation? The ones written in the book. Okay. So it's important to be written in the book. But then it says this in verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Now, it doesn't say everyone who's ever died is in this category. It just says many of those who are sleeping in the dust shall awake. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So... Again, there's language options here to where you can kind of pull different things that out. That would be a good study. But does that mean that these people that were already in torment in, in uh, Hades are now like tossed into Gehenna and it's even worse than they was? <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know. You know, the doctrine of hell is real. Here's what, real, they say Jesus but more about hell than he did heaven, so I don't know. Let me give you that's, the that's important piece. Because I think sometimes we are trying to figure it all out, and we don't have a complete picture. But what we do have is a complete picture of what we're supposed to be doing. Be a wise virgin. Be a, a faithful servant. Be a productive servant, right? Be a wheat, not a tear. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's these things that we have options to be, and we need to just do those. And then guess what? You don't got to worry about Sheol, Hades, Gehenna, or any of that. You just worry about what the Lord has for you because you're going to inherit the kingdom. And so that promise we can stand on if we... I know. You know what I'm saying? If we're safe. It's quite astounding. It is astounding. So we got one more little bullet point there I think you've got to read. You're going to do that. Oh, okay. 
So here we go. So when the apostle Paul was known as Saul, he went after those who were on the of the way, right? They were of the way, the movement, the movement, and believed in Yeshua. In his encounter with Yeshua on the road to Damascus, Yeshua said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Saul didn't realize that when he was persecuting the early Christians, he was really persecuting Yeshua. I know. That's right. Wow. That's, that's interesting. That's right. Just like when you mistreat the widow and the orphan. Oof, not good. He's coming, he's coming for you. That's right. What you got? I'm just looking. I want to look at that word persecutors. See if I spelled that right. Per- persecutes. Why persecutors? Thou me. That's a good question. So, what two points then? Persecutors. My two points are real simple. And I'm really thinking about this, you know. Uh, number one, try to meet the basic needs of others around you when given the chance. Yeah. Okay. Try to meet the basic needs of others around you when given the chance. You know, uh, I always tell the story about when our washer went out, someone had given us $500. That day. Know, but that was a need. Yeah. But God put it on their heart, not about a washer, but hey, Pastor Nick's going to have a need. And yeah. I'd like for you to get towards that. Boom. You know. So I, I tell that story all the time. It's just one of many. Um, but that's like, well, what if you hear of something? You know, we have benevolence to help people, you know, pay their electric bill, get groceries, gas right. money, whatever it is, pay their rent or something. But we have uh, benevolence. And uh, so, yeah, try to meet the basic needs of others around you when given the chance, number one. Number two, what you do for others, you have done for Yeshua. Mm. So think about, you know, mistreating the Jewish people mm-hmm. or having any kind of form of anti-Semitism. And the Lord loves them. Yeshua loves the Jewish people. He's Jewish. So all I'm saying is that what you do for others, you have done for Yeshua. And that's why it's so important that you be kind to strangers. You know, you might see them in the public sector of life, or they might have tattoos all over their body, body piercings, whatever, some kind of crazy outfit on or something. But... Just remember that, you know, they're strangers. You don't know them, never met them. Be kind. Just hold the door for them. Smile. Say hello. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, so those are my uh, those are my two. I, mean, yeah. I don't know what else to say. I mean, yeah, it's a good. My first one was be a sheep. Hear his voice. <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny because, like, in my experience, the sheep are the dumb ones, right? But uh, Yeshua says that we should have faith like little children, you know, that we should become like little children, humbling ourselves. And I think... Um, the sheep are definitely more humble than the goats. Just that's that's mine. It never ends well for a goat. Sacrifice, day of atonement, one stone off a cliff. Even in the Passover, we always talk about the Passover lamb, but it could be a Passover kid. You can do the sheep or the goat. Interesting. Do you know that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second point was uh, don't take offense on your own account. Uh, he says, "Blessed are those right who are persecuted in, for my name's sake." When you take offense, so what is it? Don't take offense. Don't take offense on your own account, right? But when people persecute you for your beliefs or the way that the Lord has called you to live or whatever, remember they're really persecuting Him, and it's not good for them. So you should pray for them. 
right? It's not pray for them, oh, because, you know, you're such a good person. It's because, look, that person faces judgment if they continue down the path that they're on. They continue to persecute people that love the Lord. Think about how many problems, Ryan, we can avoid and strife and division and hate if we would just practice our faith the mm -hmm. way God wants us to, yep. to be that witness, how much trouble we actually could avoid instead of provoke. Mm. I'm just saying, yep. did God say to go after people? You know, Did God say to, to judge the world? No, we're not to judge the world. You know, And so when we're critical of, of unsaved people, people that are not redeemed or, or born again, we have no right to judge them. We can show a contrast of what we're doing versus them, but I'm just saying that I think we get ourselves in a lot of trouble uh, if we're not careful in that regard. You know, I, I've always believed that you know, John the Baptist was preaching repentance and he should have stuck with that, but he did go after Herod and called him out in public and did all these things. Next thing he knew, he lost his head. And Jesus wept over that. He was very upset over that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that John the Baptist wasn't hearing from God or wasn't of God. I'm just saying, you know, had he had not done that, he probably, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, things it's happen kind of the way they're supposed to, like, right? Like, 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 I never found a verse where God says, I'm going to bring you into the promised land to Moses. Right. He, he said, you're going to deliver my people out of Egypt. Right. So if you're listening or watching, if you can find me a verse, shoot it at ryan at twopraise.net, T-O-P-R-A-I-C. Or just put it in the comments. You know. Or in the comments yeah. about, oh, well, here's a reference where Moses could have gone to the promised land. Right. I haven't found it since 1999, since I've been in Torah. So he was uh, not able to go into the promised land. And so when um, John the Baptist prepared the way, he actually gave his life. Mm. He lost his head to a loose-lipped woman. And um, he was, um, and then his disciples began to follow Yeshua. Right. So anyway, something to think about. Um, you know, I'm just saying that because you, you say here, don't take offense on your own account. You know, um, I think it's important that uh, we mind our own business. Yeah. We have so much to do. Yeah. Really, you know. I'm continuing really, we're on. his. We're heirs, right? So so we're when we take offense, it's, it's because of him. It's, it's man, I shouldn't take offense on my own account. I should pray for this person because that judgment's coming on them if they yeah. don't, you know, get their act together. And, and that's the whole, like I said, you know, what is our witness to those around us? What are we trying to accomplish with those around us, those that are in our life, public sector of life? What are we actually portraying or doing? We go to Starbucks and get a coffee, or we go to the grocery store, or this or that, or or whatever it is. You with your job and commerce. Oh yeah. I'm just saying that. And then there's the point of, and and who do I have in my life to accomplish the mission that God's given us? Right. Who who does it entail? It's not everyone. No. And you're going to see along the way that you're going to have hiccups and bumps in the road and challenges. And uh, you need to uh, overcome that. Yeah. Because he's going to give you the right people because the, they say that the, those that you surround yourself will make you or break you. You're only good as those you surround yourself with. Yeah. And not everyone's entitled to the inner circle. Agreed. You know, you can't let everybody into your inner circle. They say it's maybe four or five people at most. But you have to guard that. You know, that's what Yeshua had. Peter, James, and John was the inner circle. Yep. And he had his disciples. And he had his followers. And he had the public. See how it's an outer ring? Oh, yeah. Only because that's just the way it is. Right. It's interesting, you know, reading some of these memoirs of these presidents and the first lady and everything, um, it's interesting that 
some of them were like childhood friends huh. that carried over into other things, you know. Sure. Uh, just like with uh, First Lady Michelle Obama, you know, her one of her close friends uh, began to go on the campaign trail and help Michelle Obama. She helped her. Nice. And so when she left the White House, she still was chief of staff for Michelle Obama. Nice. Yeah, so it's like a relationship, a friendship. Yeah. And that's how it should really be. You should make friendships to last. Right. You know, some people come and go, but all the friendships that I've made, even to this day, I appreciate and I can go back to it. Yeah. You know, it's like I drive all the way up to Tampa to my dentist, Dr. David Doring, and um, since the 90s. Oh, wow. Because he just was real instrumental in my life as a friend, and yeah. as a Christian, and uh, being a part of a, a singles group or whatever that, that they led. Uh, so my thing is, you know, I had that friendship. So yeah, so th this is pretty pretty cut and dry, um, and that's why you know you don't want to be in a goat nation right now. No, and we need to pray for America because America. Uh, I was listening to um, the podcast the other day, and the guy was talking about you know just how do we judge a nation? And if we're judging the nation by their people, and we're judging their people based on certain criteria, what is that criteria? And we he talked about like fatherlessness. That America is one of the worst in the world. Um, lasciviousness, just like the behavior of people, pornography, all that stuff. I mean, America's like huge on that. Um, and just the behaviors of people on social media, just how focused we are. Like if you were to just take a snapshot of social media as a whole, right? It, it's quite disturbing. Right? It doesn't look good for America. No, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, it really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. It's nasty. You well, know? And that's, that's the point. I mean, America really needs to do some soul searching culturally. Our culture is wicked and we lead the world. Like people are looking to us as the example. Pornography. Even, even just regular culture. Just and you know, somebody said, and more than once, that if, if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Have you heard that? I haven't, but that's... That right there was a wicked call. Well, it's coming. You know, and it's it's unfortunate. If I, I'm I'm excited, like I've heard the stories of the revivals that are going on on campuses, and that gives me hope for the next generation. I would love to see that continue and just spread. And that's my prayer. My prayer is for revival here at Beit Tehila, and for, let's just pray now. See, Father, we thank yeah. you and we love you. God, we call for revival, God, all over the nation of America, all over the world, Father, that people, especially the next generation, the young people would recognize the difference between wise and foolish virgins, between faithful and evil servants, between sheep and goats as nations, Lord, and turn to you in, in just absolute brokenness, Father, for sin, and just call on the name of Yeshua to receive uh, your Son, the salvation that is provided through your blood, and the Holy Spirit, Father. And we just pray for this right now. In Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. If you want to keep the conversation going in the comments, appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe and do all that good stuff. You hit just hit the button. It's button. Hit, hit, hit it. Button. Right there. Button. Hit it. And uh, praise God. Uh, if you want to email me, it's ryan at 2praise.net. Bless you guys. Have a great week.